Welcome back. After maybe a day, this is the Easter series of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. You know how many times I've heard that because my name's Carter and people always, you know, it's close yeah. enough. Welcome my back, Carter. Husband does it every time he sees Carter. He goes, hey, Mr. Carter. Yeah, yeah there it is. There Not it is. spelled that way. Well, and Pri- but the way. last name Price, how many people have said, oh, is the price right? <laughs> and I'm just, I don't, you know, you hear the same joke a million times. You don't know how to react eventually. At the same, at the same time, after hearing your lament mm-hmm. and your frustration. Yes. Do you think you even have anywhere close the complaining opportunity of somebody named Alexa right now? No, no, I do not. God bless you, Alexa. Oh, sorry. I probably actually, we started her up probably is what happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, This is an interesting week. Um, We, I I love this. We did this at Christmas. And so this is kind of a daily thing for this week, Mm -hmm. walking through the events of what led up to the cross and the resurrection. Uh, If you, if you're, you haven't uh, tuned in in a week, make sure to go back and listen to yesterday's episode uh, with the events of Saturday and Sunday. And now we're, we're kind of getting to, to uh, Monday and Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. And this is a traditional timeline. So if you were to Google, all right, what was Jesus doing during this time? This is where theologians kind of guesstimate okay. things would have occurred. Whether it exactly happened on this exact day, we just know in the timeline of Jesus in the week before he he gave his life for you and for me and before he rose, these things did occur. Um, and so next in uh, the week, we're saying Monday is when Jesus got angry. Yeah, I, I, this is always one that we kind of wonder about and point to and you know is, is it a sin to get angry well jesus did so it depends on what what you get mad about and it, it, there's there's so much history of why he did what he did and overturning the tables yes so in the city of jerusalem we come to the temple this is the place where uh people of jewish tradition culture even people who were gentiles not born jewish but wanted to obey the one true God, would come and worship and they would sacrifice animals to say, yes, this is this is me repenting of my sin. This is me saying I need that grace covering. And that's where the blood comes into the picture and becomes such a symbolic thing. Grace, atonement, that covering will cover over your past sin. And so people would travel from all over the place, but they didn't necessarily bring the animals that they would sacrifice with them because the animals wouldn't necessarily make it well on the journey. Maybe mm-hmm. they wouldn't have enough money to, you know, to provide food for the animal. Well, the they, need, they needed to be unblemished animals, correct? Yes, according to the law. Yes. And let me just put it this way. The people who were selling animals at the temple were not necessarily selling the best of the best. And they certainly were not selling it at a good cost. I mean, you know what it's like right before Christmas time, if you are looking for that perfect gift for that perfect somebody and the stores know that you're needing it, sometimes, depending on, you know, the people that you're buying it from, the prices may go up. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly did in those days. They would make you pay not just double, it'd be like triple. It was it was robbery, is what it was. Yeah. And they knew that they would pay the people who had traveled all that way because they didn't have a choice. They came to sacrifice and they needed a sacrificial animal. And so they would have to pay all this money. But you would walk into the outer courts of the temple area. This was the same place they the Gentiles couldn't move past 
that place because they were not of Jewish uh, blood. So they were forced to be worshiping in that area, which was the same area that they would do all of this selling. Mm. And it was just, I mean, it people were doing things that were just sleazy. Like they would pocket the money. They would take advantage of people. They would even give some to the high priest. It was just not a good situation. And meanwhile, the people who were only allowed no further than this area are trying to worship the Lord are trying to come to him and say, you know, God, we recognize your greatness. You know, all the things you imagine your own worship experience Actually, yeah. at church. Can we can we demonstrate? I'm going to play play a song. Okay. And Rochelle, why don't you be a salesman, all right? And I'm okay. really getting into Waymaker here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Uh, hold on, hold on. Do you need a lamp? Hey, do you need I, to... Hey, not right now, thank you. I can give you, I can give you better than that price. No, hey, not right now. I can I'm really, help you. I'm really into Waymaker. Just right. Just, I'm sorry. Okay, what? 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 <laughs> what do you want? And how much do you want for it? And here, just go away. That's that's what would have been happening. You know, I, I was just yeah. in Kenya, and it's not just there. It's it's anywhere that you go that you're a tourist, mm-hmm. and it's, they just will not leave you alone. I mean, they they follow you. And so you really, I heard you actually do this before, Rochelle, and the way that you said it is, yeah, could you imagine in that worship place when you have somebody that's following you around to sell you a knockoff purse or something like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, go away. Mm. And in the midst of trying to worship God, much less, I how annoying that must, must have it, been. It must have been. Not to mention the smell of the animals. Yeah. You know, here you are. When I go into a church... We're so blessed in the situation that we have in the United States. Clearly, right now, we are not able to attend a physical church. We're enjoying, hopefully, church at home and being able to to witness online messaging, and that's such a blessing. But you go into a church, they do such a wonderful job of trying to keep things nice and neat, Mm -hmm. and there's a lovely scent, a perfume maybe, even candles lit or whatever— and the, yeah, that was not your experience going into the outer courts of the temple area. Um, and it, it was such a complete, I, it was just the juxtaposition of what it at first was. Like when King Solomon first built the temple, they built everything off site because it was supposed to be a sacred place. There was not going to be a lot of noise. There's no hammering. There's no drilling. None of that stuff is happening here on site. Mm. They did it off site and then they brought it. And they pieced it together, but it was, it was something considered sacred, this place. Now, in Jesus's time, he comes into a place where he knew that his father should be loved on, and it was it his frustration. I think it's awesome because he was frustrated for for me, for you. We're Gentiles; we're not of Jewish blood. He wanted this to be a sacred experience between a person who was not of Jewish heritage, to be able to come to the Father and talk to him. And not only that, but uh, people's experience past the outer courts, even going in, you're still having to walk through this place that at one time there would have been a peace, a calm about it. And there's merchants overpriced items and, and smells from the animals. I mean, just, it was not it was not what it was meant to be. It was to be a, a place of just making that personal connection, that relationship of recognizing my need for God, Mm. you know? And he got angry because it had not just been a decade. It had been centuries. 
of things just not being in line with what it could be. And he desired, because he knew what relationship was with the father. That's why he called him father. He knew that that was the relationship, the opportunity for the people around him that they could have. But how could anybody experience that in the midst of this circus? They couldn't, you know? Yeah. He wants that personal relationship and to to see such the distraction. You know, I think there's been uh, I don't know how wide, uh, wide you know, spread of a, a problem that this might be. But, you know, sometimes musicians in church or even the pastor will take things a little too seriously with the showmanship of man. Are the lights just right or the you know, is, is are the chairs just right? How did it sound? How's the sound coming through and the mix of the music? And that can definitely go overboard. But I yeah. greatly respect where let's create an environment hmm. where worship is the main thing and nobody's distracted. You know, the light, the, the fluorescent light above is not flickering and little things that might get you just your mind going a million miles an hour somewhere that is just a distraction and so I think the way we see kind of worship in church and things now, there's been a great movement of let's create an undistracted environment so that stuff like that, that, that you're describing in this, in this temple thing does, does not happen. I think people were distracted from the beginning. And so extra distractions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, we're looking at this. This is prior to Jesus's death on the cross. And his resurrection, so that we could have this intimate relationship with God the Father. And honestly, we became the church, right? We became, we don't need the physical building per se. Yeah. We became the church. So that, um, you know, the spirit can have us tuned in so much so that distraction doesn't have to be a thing. But imagine before Jesus's death on the cross and imagine the struggle people would have in trying to make that connection because it was so clouded with so many different things. The The law was meant to serve man and help them understand this is what God has for you. But then people would get so hung up on, quote, the law that they wouldn't see through to the heart of the one who gave them the rules in the first place. They got hung up on the law. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just distraction after distraction. And so Jesus just saw all of it in that moment. And he's like, enough is enough. And he gave them a visual. This needs to change. And so even in our own lives right now, it's like, what keeps you from seeking the presence of God? What keeps you from that connection of just, I want to spend time with you. And it could easily be something inside our brains, let alone something on the outside. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I want to overturn that in Jesus' name. And it serves as a symbol for us then and now. In in terms of the history of it. And by the way, I just want you to know, uh, you know we are recording this uh, separately. Rochelle's at home. So if you hear her voice like flicker a little bit and you're wondering what is going on, it just sounds just, just a little funky, not too funky. Is it flickering? Fun- oh, man. Just a little. It- um, do I need to stop it and reconnect? No, I think I think it's fine. It just we'll you know, be okay here and there. Okay, yeah. Um, so that was Monday. Well, and I want to say the last part of it is just the history moving forward. It, it says after he after Jesus says, "You have made this a thieves hangout." Mm-hmm. Uh, in Mark Mark eighteen, excuse me, Mark eleven verse eighteen, 
It says, when the chief priests and religious scholars heard this, they began to hatch a plot as to how they could eliminate Jesus. But they feared him and his influence because the entire crowd was carried away with astonishment by his teaching. So he and his disciples spent the nights outside the city. This this seems to maybe be a little bit of the last straw because they haven't liked him this whole time. You know, they have not liked Jesus this entire three years of just showing him up, you know, because not not as as a, a boasting, just he's just speaking truth. And here they are, and their their way of life is being uh, intruded upon. And yeah. so this yeah. is this is kind of where the plan really, the really begins. Yeah, I think that they Jesus had given them the slip a few times before, uh-huh. and like all of a sudden he'd be they'd be like, oh, I'm mad at what he's saying. So they'd go after him, and then he'd be gone. Oh, okay, yeah. So he'd given them a slip a few times, but I I don't think I think you're right in that. Before, it might have just been on a whim. Mm-hmm. Now they're like collectively thinking, okay, we need a plan. We yeah. need to stop just on a whim trying to throw him off a cliff here. We need to come up with a plan to get rid of this guy. And, uh, you know, because you do think about, all right, if the Roman soldiers were around, and they certainly were, then why, if they saw this guy throwing tables over in the temple, why didn't they stop? There's any number of reasons why didn't they didn't stop him. Um, well, was no. it, can I ask, is it because it, they didn't necessarily care, right? Or did the Romans yeah. care about any of this stuff? I think some of them were entertained by the craziness. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, this guy's going to make these these church people upset. Uh-huh. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And then there's also, there were the centurions that, when they were in the presence of Jesus, recognized immediately the authority of who he was. Mm. Because they were, they knew authority. They knew what it was like to submit to somebody in authority. And they would have had to have recognized that. Like most of the people, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees that he had given the slip to before, you know, why were they undone by his words? Because he spoke them with authority. Yeah. 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 Jesus dropped the mic a lot. <laughs> the the non-existent microphone at the time yeah. that he dropped. I also want to point back to earlier. You said that uh, there was, uh, in regards to how they built the temple mm-hmm. off-site, yeah. uh, there would have been no hammering or drilling. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was any drilling uh, <laughs> ever at that time. I so. was making a point. <laughs> and plus, I'm not familiar with biblical tools. <laughs> Can we get the biblical tool guy on the phone Right now, let's see if that'll work. <laughs> Candy Manny, back uh, in Bible yeah. Days. So, so this this kind of takes us into the next, you know, big story of at this time, at least a, a widely known um, thing that Jesus did that next day. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell? Well, the the fig tree. The fig tree. Which I, you know, I'm honestly kind of glad that it uh, it was a fig tree. I I don't like fig. I don't like fig newtons. I don't I don't care for it. Mm. And I wasn't, I'm definitely not offended that, that this happened to the fig tree. Well, this particular fig tree would have been the perfect one for Adam and Eve because it had only leaves. That's true. <laughs> there, were, there were no figs on this fig tree. So like you said, th- we're going by the historian um, order. Like the timeline. This yeah. is actually a little earlier in the book of Mark. Yeah. Um, that the next, this is uh, verse uh, 12 in, in Mark 11. This is why it's really interesting when you read the Bible chronologically, you will find that certain Gospels do, oh, that happened here, but it happened there in that Gospel. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that so, interesting? But 
yes, the fig tree. So it was Tuesday morning. It was breakfast time. He was hungry. He comes by the fig tree. Lo and behold, there's no figs. He says, it says the next day he was feeling hungry. And like you said, no, no figs. So Jesus spoke to the fig tree saying, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. Yeah. And the disciples overheard him. Now, I don't know where I'm not going to try to scroll, but I know it's a little later in this chapter or the next or so. Mm-hmm. They pass back by. Yeah. And they see that fig tree dead. Yeah. Withered up. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels harsh, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. It does. But we've mentioned it many times before, and I think it's because we need to see things. Later on, Jesus would tell Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We need symbolism. We need pictures. We need things. I mean, I'm one of those people when I learn, uh, I do really well with watching it in like a video form. Or if somebody gives me an object lesson, something that I can visualize and see, that's how I learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus was showing, you got to be one or the other. You're going to be a tree. I need to see some fruit. Mm. He even uses that uh, like... If you want to be a person that produces Jesus fruit, then hopefully you're the Jesus tree. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. If you you go to the orange tree, you get oranges. You don't get apples. You don't just get leaves. You get oranges. When you go to the apple tree, you get apples. You don't get pears. You know, be what you say you're going to be. And the idea of being something else two-faced or something. No. Jesus went down with that. So here's this incredible visual of you're supposed to give us fruit. It's that season. Where is it? And that's a challenge to all of us in our our spiritual lives. You know, I claim to be a Christian. Would others know that, Carter? Would they see the fruit? I guess that would be because my one a question that comes to mind for me is what if the tree just wasn't ready yet? Like it was almost there. And I guess that might be a, a symbolism of once you come to Jesus, you will have instant fruit. And it might not be, I think we're going to grow in this life, certainly. Mm -hmm. So there might be more fruit. And of course, when we say fruit, yeah, it can be maybe churchy, you know, but that's, that's where we get it is a story like this. And we're talking about things of um, good deeds, even if you will, Uh, things to prove that, yeah, you believe in Jesus and you're about it. And so maybe let's say I, I, come to Jesus at the age of 20, maybe by the age of 40, I would have more evidence in my life. Sure. But I think right after you come to Jesus, you're still going to have something. Well, I don't think anybody, it's like a baby. You're not demanding that he walks immediately. Uh, But there's evidence that, that they're, that they were born Mm -hmm. and that they're moving on with the stages as opposed to staying stagnant. And at this point in the fig tree's life, it was apparent to the disciples it was supposed to be producing fruit. Mm. They came to it expecting fruit. Yeah. And there wasn't any there. And so, the, yeah, I think, first of all, the process of a seed dying and then the plant growing and then bursting through the soil and then, you know, starting to become something of the, a tree. <laughs> yeah, but they wouldn't come to a seedling and say, all right, where's my fruit? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's like if you're in the place where you have known the Lord and you are supposedly maturing, then there should be evidence for it so that others can taste and eat and know and see that the Lord is good through your life. This is going to be tough because I know it's so situational, but can you just give me 
an example. It doesn't even have to be a real one. Just when we talk about the evidence that people should see, mm -hmm. what's the kind of stuff that we're talking about? Do you ever just get a sense when you are with a person that they know Jesus? Do you ever get that sense? It's like, mm, there's something kindred about that person over there. And it's not just that they like barbecue. You just get a sense. Uh, I don't know. I I think it I think I do if they're if their actions represent that. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I don't necessarily mean they have an uh, an aura or like the force is strong with this one or something necessarily, but that could also be a thing. I feel like, ooh, that person over there knows the Lord because they just glow with it. Well, and I guess I meant but, like even with uh, just a normal conversation, if I just ran into yeah. somebody and, and they were nice and, they, and we just talked about the weather, I don't necessarily know if I would have a good judgment, but if they you know, let's say gave an anonymous gift to their church and didn't want the credit, you know, stuff like that, that makes me go, oh man, they're, they're about the, the Christian life. They, be, they truly believe in Jesus. I think the, the, the scripture, you will know them by their fruit is it, like over time, you're going to see what it produces, mm. whether it ever ripens, whether it's rotten, you're gonna know. And if you don't get a sense about somebody, you know, just praying for them, Lord, I don't, I don't know if this is a legit situation here. I've, I don't know. The Holy Spirit is really awesome. You know, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the, the grave that resides in you when you say yes to him, when you receive his spirit. It's the same, same Jesus, same power. So, um, yeah, how do I know? I think you just, <laughs> it's almost like when you meet that person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, there's a sense, yes, you're going to deal with doubt here and there, mm -hmm. but you, you know, that's a person that, yeah, I connect with this person. This is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. You've got that sixth sense, if you will. You just, the Holy Spirit kind of reveals it to you. This is a legit person. Even if their fruit isn't fully ripened yet, they're on their way or, or whatever it may be. But yeah, there's actions there that align with the spirit of Christ. It's undeniable. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that they're in line with truth. I guess that's where authenticity comes into play because you can't do these things to earn your way to heaven. And yet the, I don't know if irony would even be the word, but you will do those things after you have that relationship with Jesus. And so I guess it depends on if somebody is just, and that, hey, that's where other religions go, right? You know, they're trying to earn their way to heaven. Hmm. Um, but it's a saved through faith that Jesus did the work on the cross but after we have that relationship, we want to live the way that he, the the example that he set when he was on this earth. That's the way that we're striving to live. Just just because we know we know what what way of life is best. The example that he set. A true, a truly desired relationship is well watered, uh, and pruned. Um, which means that there could be some pain involved because you got to cut away some of the things that you thought were a good idea. Mm. Um, but watered. And so what is that? That that looks like prayer time. That looks like reading the word. 
that looks like putting feet to your faith and not just saying and speaking a good message, but actually going out into your neighborhood and loving on people well in some way, whether that's mowing their yard's grass or picking up groceries or holding the door open for somebody or writing that note to somebody who maybe didn't deserve it. That's called grace, you know, whatever it is, but um, putting action to your faith, that's really really part of growing a relationship otherwise if you don't interact at all with those people in your world the relationship dies on the vine and you don't want that to be a thing in your relationship for the lord so yeah otherwise what usually happens unfortunately in this lifetime if people do not have a good relationship what happens their marriage ends in divorce i don't want to divorce my life from the lord yeah yeah. So I, I want to make sure I'm watering it. I want to make sure that I'm I'm heeding his his will and his advice. When it comes to the the good deeds thing, the the good fruit actually really is is the um, after you're a believer and you're you know you want to do these things. It reminds me of a story where I went to a a taco place. I don't think it was Bell. It was just maybe it was a local chain, and I um I can't remember exactly what happened. But I, I got up to the window. I had ordered my food. She was kind of having a rough night. And I just said, well, well, God bless you. Thanks for, you know, working. I just kind of chatted with her for a second. Yeah. And she gave me an extra taco um, just for being nice, you know. Yeah. And so I posted on uh, Facebook or whatever at the time. And I said, you know, hey, that that proves uh, living the life of the Lord will get you some, you know, nice perks or, or you know, whatever I said, you know, good, good fruit equals free tacos or I was mostly joking around, but also I did want to encourage people that, you know, a little, a little action because you talk about holding the door open for somebody. Yeah. And, uh, my, my cynical friend, God bless him. He's a believer, but he's cynical. And he said, so you think you, you spread the gospel because you said, God bless you and got a free taco. And (laughs) I, I, I get his, I honestly get it because I do. I think that she knelt to her knees and and got, got Jesus in in her life right then because I held the door open for somebody or because I said, God bless you. No, I really don't. Um, but could it be a, a, as the Bible talks about a, a seed or maybe I watered it, you know, it got her thinking, well, he, he said, God, maybe I do need to go to church again. And who knows where God uses those things, mm-hmm. you know, and it's hard. You hold the doorman for somebody and smile and don't say anything. Do they necessarily know you're a Christian? Not necessarily. No. But, but who knows what God could do with it in the future? When you open the door for somebody because you feel the Holy Spirit telling you to open the door for somebody, that is an open door for him. Yeah. For for their life, period. You know, uh, Lee Strobel was sharing Uh, This past Sunday, a message for Palm Sunday, and he shared about this little girl named Grace who, with her family member, reached out to an older couple uh, after Hurricane Harvey who had lost everything. And they were a well-to-do couple. They thought they had their ducks in a row for retirement, and things changed after Harvey. And this little girl named Grace would go over and and love on them and bring them meals. Didn't know them until after the horrible events of the hurricane. But uh, this couple was Jewish. They were not followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And she, little Grace, was a believer. It wasn't until well after they had just done their best to try to treat this couple with the kindness of Jesus Christ, without being overbearing, just being loving, Uh, that she sent a little note to just say, I'm thinking about you. 
and put her picture, maybe it was a school picture or something like that, in the car just to remember by and just thinking of you, want to encourage you. And this this gentleman looked at this picture and says to his wife, why did she send us a picture of Jesus? And his wife looked at the picture and said, that's not Jesus, honey. That's a picture of grace. And he had so, however the Holy Spirit did this, but he looked at this picture, could have sworn he was looking at a picture of Jesus. Wow. Because he so greatly saw Jesus in this little girl. Yeah, that's incredible. What a powerful story. Some might have fun with it and say, well, he needs to get some bifocals. Fine. (laughs) But for whatever reason, it so impacted his life that he was challenged in his faith and sought after Jesus. It was an amazing story. And I, I think about how the one little thing that you can do, like Carter's saying, planting that seed, opening the door, opens the door for the Holy Spirit to work. You just step out in obedience. And should there be actions that follow, there may very well be. Maybe you'll see that person down the road. You never know. But if you never even encounter that person again, the Holy Spirit has now an open door opportunity to start working in their life because of your obedience. And maybe another door will be open for them or somebody will say something. It softens people's hearts, though. And just like soil, that topsoil, when you till it, it's prepared in that moment for a seed to be planted, right? And then the watering comes along and then all the sunshine comes along and then things start to grow. But unless you start to till the soil and open the door, nothing has the opportunity to grow there. Uh, some great lessons from all of this in, in just a couple of events. There's going to be much bigger events this week. Uh, we we ask you to stick with us in uh, the journey through Easter, this Holy Week, Passion Week. There's a you know million things that people call it. Um, tomorrow's episode will actually be Wednesday and Thursday. Is that right? Yes. Is that what we're doing? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And we missed out on some of the things. Like today we spent a lot of time and I, because there's so much to talk about. There's with, so much. But like he shared so many incredible parables. And if you'd like to check out the timeline, Google it. What was Jesus doing on Tuesday, the week of Holy Week, Passion Week, and some of the best parables that he ever shared, including the parable of the talents. You talk about using your gifts for the Lord. There's an interesting one. Um, the actions and all of that stuff. Where does that fall in line? Don't hide it in the sand. <laughs> No, no, nay. So do that, man. I, I want to, uh, this is truth, so don't get me wrong, but I want to say it like like I feel it, like a pastor. And if you, if, Rochelle, if you can give me an amen or a preach or something. Ooh. Just at the time that we're recording this is, you know, through all the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, my friend posted, church buildings may be empty on Easter, but so was the tomb. Oh, amen. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Oh, I like that. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff. More to come this week with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. 